You're listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today we begin a two-week series called Church Hurt, and um, I'm going to be very honest with you. One of the reasons why I'm scheduling this as a two-week series I knew this was going to happen. I walked in the room crying today. One of the reasons why this is only a two-week series is because it causes me to have to go back. Apologies. When you talk about church hurt, It causes me to have to go back and relive some pain from the past. And it's not that God has not healed me. The feelings that I'm feeling is because I know what some people are going through right now, and I've been there. And it's tough. It's tough. But I promise you, I am willing to obey the Holy Spirit. And should he continue to guide and lead and say, you need to extend the series, I will. But I'm being honest, I'm praying that over these two weeks that anyone that has experienced church hurt will be able to find growth and healing in their own souls as I have. And I'm not telling you I'm all the way there yet. I'm not sure any of us are all the way there yet with whatever we've gone through in life. But I can promise you this, God has taken me there. Amen? Amen. If you've ever been hurt at the hands of a local church or someone in a local church, then you have experienced some of the toughest pain of life, I'm convinced. For those of you that have never experienced church hurt, first of all, you need to thank the Lord. If you've never been there, you need to thank the Lord. Um, But understand that this series is also designed to prepare us to properly deal with it when and if it happens, when and if it occurs. Um, because I will tell you, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all say things we don't mean sometimes. And even though we are growing and maturing in the Lord, because we're human, we're going to get it wrong. And I want to make this statement. If you put me on a pedestal, at some point in life, I'm going to let you down. And I love you, and, and I, I'm thankful that you honor me as the pastor of this church. But I am extremely human. And I get frustrated. I get angry. I get hurt. And even though we work through that stuff, and, 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 and hopefully from what I've learned in my life, I'll be able to share that with you. 
as we dive into the scriptures and see what God's word has to say about this to help us heal, to help us prepare. Um, just understand that humanity has flaws. None of us are perfect like God, but even Jesus himself, God the Son, said some things that offended people sometimes, and they walked away. So I'm trying to understand and, and be respectful of all those emotions that are in the room because Mandy and I are certainly no strangers to church hurt. The hardest hurt I have ever been through in my life was at the hands of church members. The hardest thing I've ever had to go through in life was in a local church. Before I went into full-time ministry, Mandy and I were attending a church in Lake City that my dad pastored. And it was a growing and thriving church. We built a new sanctuary. There are people in this room right now that, that live through this with me. Okay, so, But there in Lake City, as the church was growing and thriving, we built a new sanctuary. Um, the day that the concrete slab was being poured for the sanctuary, all the men were told to, to show up prepared to work. My dad had found a subcontractor that he was going to pour. He brought about three of his men, but this was a fairly large building. He told a bunch of men to show up, ready to work. Rocky was the only one that showed up with rubber boots. The rest of those men stood around the side and watched me and that old man that, that owned the company and two or three of his migrant workers. We were there and we were pulling concrete all day long. I loved that church and I didn't care. As a matter of fact, I stood in there working my tail off, pulling concrete. Never done it in my life, but I learned how to do it that day. And I just, I just looked at those men around the sides, and there was some friendly banter going back and forth because I was only about 18 years old, maybe 19 years old when this was happening. But, man, I love that church. That church meant so much to me. They had watched me grow into a young man. When we moved there, I was 15 years old. And um, they had walked me through um, failed relationships when dating. It was there in that church where I met my wife. That church meant a lot to me. And, and much like my son's wedding here in this sanctuary, our wedding, Mandy and I, our wedding was the very first wedding in that building. Five, over 500 people showed up to our wedding. And half of them were there just to see the first wedding in the new sanctuary. It, it, was, it was something. We were surrounded by our friends and our family. And the motto for that church was, we're more than a church, we're family. And we were. More than a church, we're family. Our mentors, our best friends, and our family were all in that church. And it was the best of days until it wasn't. It was great until it wasn't. It was life-giving until it wasn't. What seemed impossible became the reality, and loyalty was split between my dad, who was the senior pastor, and the associate pastor, who, by the way, was the best man in my wedding. And people were torn on which leader they were going to follow. And that church split right in half. One day... One Sunday, there was 500 people in attendance. 
The next day, there was 250 people in attendance and 250 people went down the road and started a new church, including our mentors, our best friends, and even some family members. Tough. And the worst part was that both sides drew a line in the sand and said, if you aren't with us, you're against us. And you would see people in public. And you would turn and walk away from each other like you'd never knew each other. Full of hurt, bitterness, pain. Both sides, I might add. I was on one side, and for the longest of time, I only saw my pain. It wasn't until I had a conversation with a family member that was on the other side that I saw their pain, their hurt through all of it. Which, by the way, let me add this in. All of that family drama is gone. It's all healed, and we're all whole today. Amen? Praise the Lord. The worst part for me was just losing so many people we were connected to. It meant so much to us. It caused me and my wife to put up a guard, and we held our cards close to our chest. Unfortunately, Mandy and I were very guarded at the two churches that I was on staff at before I came here to plant this church. And friendships, at times, were superficial and held at arm's length because of the hurt and pain that we had already walked through. Some of you are here right now, and you're doing that in in this setting because of some past hurt from another church that you've been at. And it wasn't until we moved here and God birthed Destiny Community Church that we truly learned to open up and be vulnerable in our relationships again. And it's because of that, Mandy and I have found healing through a very tough season of life that we had to walk through. We're not the only ones with a church hurt story, though. I can assure you that there were people on the other side of our experience that they were feeling the same hurt and pain because you can't split a church in half and not have pain on both sides. It, it, it turns out looking like a divorce. There are people in this room that have experienced church hurt. Maybe you're the victim of, of a gossip campaign, lies that were spread about you. Maybe it wasn't a lie, but you confided in someone and they broke that confidence and, and told other people. And now you feel ashamed and angry at them. Maybe you felt excluded when you were left out of a particular friend group. Or maybe someone's judgmental comments pierced your soul. Maybe to the point of legalism. That it's not even scriptural, but they created these these man-made laws. And they came at you so hard that it just turned you against church. Maybe you felt used and unappreciated by church leadership. Or maybe someone in leadership took advantage of you and abused their power and victimized you. Yes, it happens, even in churches. Whatever the case, you need to understand you're not alone in this. Some of these same hurts can be experienced on the job, it can be experienced in families. But please don't miss the severity of what happens when you experience this pain within the confines of the church body because there's something deep there's a deep wound that happens when it happens at church and that hurt is extremely real hurt is so real that it will make you want to run and hide 
And if you're not careful, church, you'll find yourself on the fringes of the fold, finding every reason not to stay ready to give up on church. And some of you are there right now. You're out on the fringes. Listen, I watched. I watched it. And, and listen, this, I'm, I'm so far past this. This is not even the church pain I'm talking about today. But I watched when COVID hit. We were meeting in Oakview Middle School. When COVID hit and we were shut down for 10 weeks, I watched one by one as the enemy picked off people that were on the fringes and, and they, 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 they were part of DCC, but they never stepped foot in this building because the enemy picked them off because they were on the fringes left and right. I, I saw, it, saw it happen with my own eyes. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? If you find yourself on the fringes, you got to ask yourself, how protected am I right now? Because if you're not careful, the enemy will isolate you. And you'll give up on the church. Jesus knew this was going to happen. He knew it. So he addresses it in Matthew chapter 18. This is so familiar. Some of you can quote some of these verses. Jesus addresses this issue in Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14. Listen to what he says. These are all Jesus speaking. All these words are, are him speaking. He says in verse 12, he says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Can we pray, Father? I need your help. Lord, I need your strength. But more than anything else, I need the anointing right now, Lord, because it's your anointing that breaks every yoke. It breaks every stronghold, Lord. It breaks every, every bondage, Lord. And, and Lord, I believe you want to set some people free. I know that you do. You want to set some people free from that past hurt and that past pain, Lord. And God, I believe that today that process starts. So give us the strength that we need. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three types of people that can be found in churches. Sheeps, sheep, that would be the plural. Sheep is sheep, fish is fish. Sheep, goats, and wolves. They're present. Sheep, goats, and wolves. Let me share a few of the characteristics with you. Sheep are easy to shepherd. Goats are difficult to shepherd. And wolves are impossible to shepherd. Sheep are peacemakers. Goats are agitators. They'll pick at the wound. Wolves are predators. Sheep rest in green pastures. Goats roam to greener pastures. And wolves seek higher places. Sheep love life. Goats endure life. And wolves kill life. Sheep seek reconciliation, goats seek justice, and wolves seek destruction. Sheep are transparent, goats are cloudy, and wolves are dark. In other words, if you can't figure them out, 
they're probably a wolf. Beware, there's a red flag there. Unfortunately, church, there are way too many churches that are too busy entertaining goats and and, and wolves rather than feeding the sheep. I need you to understand my job is to feed the sheep. It's also to protect you from the wolves and hopefully somehow, some way, convert the goats. For decades, the church has found itself struggling because of people who are high maintenance and low impact. And pastors spend more time putting out fires that are started by the wolves than they do caring for the sheep. And what happens is that they become consumed with trying to get the goats on board and don't have time to feed the sheep. For the past 17 and a half years, church, I have purposefully tried to deal with problems as they first arrive. I understand that when dealing with people, problems will arise. There's personality conflicts, there's differences of opinions, and there's misunderstandings. I told you earlier, it's part of life, it's part of what we have to go through. But I also understand that the truth behind all of this is that Satan wants to cripple the church. He doesn't like the church. He wants to render the church powerless. Because Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, that's where Satan's home is, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Satan is on a mission to destroy what Jesus founded. As we read the parable of the lost sheep, though, there is an important detail that we must consider. And and chances are you've never realized this before. The one detail that changes the way that we have to look at this story is that the man that has the 100 sheep goes searching for the one that went astray. The one what? Sheep. Sheep. Let that sink in just for a moment. The one that he, he, he said went astray is referred to as a sheep. Notice that it is not a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a sheep. It's not a goat. It's a sheep. It, it, it was a sheep in the fold. It, 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 and then it became a sheep outside the fold. It was included... But now it's a sheep that's not included. It was a sheep that was protected. But now that sheep is not protected. As Jesus is telling this parable, he is stressing stressing that this particular missing animal is indeed a sheep. Just like the other 99, it is a sheep. And if you were like me, you have probably always assumed that there were 99 believers that Jesus was talking about. And one sinner. Is that not the way we look at this? There's 99 believers and one backslider. I think we've always looked at it like that. It's not the case though. They're all sheep. But one sheep is no longer with the flock, but it still belongs to the shepherd. I hope you're getting this. I hope you're starting to put it all together. Jesus tells his audience that this is a sheep. This is a believer. This is a follower of Christ. It's someone that he still loves. It's someone that he still cares about. This is not about the 99 saved and the one unsaved. 
Even though I believe he goes chasing after the one, I believe all of heaven rejoices when one comes back to the Father. I believe that. I believe that, that, that he will chase after that one unsaved sinner. I believe that he does with all of his heart. I think it's the craziest, reckless love I've ever seen in my life, but he does it. He does it. But understand in this parable, he is talking about sheep. He is talking about Christ followers. And you have 99 who were still with the shepherd and you had one that was wandering away. One sheep, one believer that was, that was straying. You see, this is a story about connected sheep that love the shepherd and one disconnected sheep that needs the shepherd. Needs the shepherd to come find them. Some of you in the room today, you're that one sheep that you love the Lord. You love your shepherd. But for some reason, you've allowed hurt to separate you from his love and his care and his protection. You see, I love the church. And one of the reasons why I need the church in my life is because of the love, the care, and the protection that God provides here for me and for my family. I need the church. I need the church. And that one sheep, that one believer that is on the fringes, I promise you they need the church too whether they know it or not. We're not told as to why this particular sheep wandered off, but for some reason it did, and it, and it didn't stay connected to the sheepfold. I cannot say for certain why it strayed. I'm not even sure that Jesus exactly knew when he told this par parable. I, I don't know. I don't know his sermon prep. I don't know how he worked it out, but, 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 but it doesn't matter. What he did understand was that Satan wants to isolate sheep. And he was willing to go after and chase after that sheep before Satan could dig his claws into that one sheep that strayed away. I can think of many reasons as to why Satan wants to isolate sheep. See, church hurt is the enemy's attempt to rob you of God's plan for you to grow and thrive within the body of Christ. Listen to how the early church was described in Acts 2 and 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. You see, it was together. This is, this is right after the birth of the early church. It was meant to be together. Forsake not yourself, the, uh, the assembling of yourselves together. Together. This, this is what it means. The apostle Paul described the church like this. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. He said in Romans 12, verses 4 and 5, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same functions, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one of another. Paul said that we are to function together for the cause of Christ, that we're better together. We're better when we work together, and we cannot achieve God's plan for us outside the body of Christ. I'm going to say it louder for those in the back and those watching online. You cannot fulfill God's plan for your life outside the body of Christ. We need church. And there's a movement right now that is trying to abolish church, the coming together of saints. Hear me. The enemy tried it with COVID. Trying to make us all sit at home and watch church online. Now, I believe God's word goes forth even over the internet and it does not return void. I believe it. But we were powerless when we were not together. We need each other. We need to grow with one another. We need to comfort one another. And sometimes we need to straighten each other out. Well, I'll just preach to you guys over here because they're not with me. 
Sometimes we need to straighten each other out. I need someone keeping me accountable in my life. I need someone to look at me and say, hey, you, you, you might want to check that attitude real quick. You, you might want to check your anger real quick. You, you need to be careful on how you speak to others. I need people like that in my life. Amen? Hey, time you woke up. Thanks. Good to have you in church with us today. Cannot achieve God's plan for us outside the body of Christ. We must work together. This is why Satan orchestrates church hurt. He wants to isolate you through your pain so that you will not fulfill God's plans for your life. And if Satan can create distrust, disunity, and disgruntled believers, then he has accomplished his mission. He, 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 he set out to cause all of that pain. He wants to render you useless in the kingdom of God because he knows that we're better together. 1 Peter 5 and 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's Satan's hunting technique. This is, this is how he does it. He wants to get you away from the fold, alone and isolated, offended and afraid, hurt and hateful. Don't let him get you alone. Listen, somebody, somebody hear me. Somebody watching online right now, you hear me. If you find yourself alone right now, you are exactly where Satan wants you. Beware of that. I'm not saying the hurt is not real. It's going to have to be dealt with. And there's probably some conversations that's going to have to take place. And there might be some wolves in sheep's clothing that have to be run off. Micah, you're the only one in the room that wants to hear that one. I said, there might be some wolves in sheep's clothing that need to be run off. I'll put every devil on notice right now. I know my battle's not against flesh and blood, but you need to hear me. If you're here to cause disruption and disunity in this church, I will personally run you off. I'll give you a chance to repent, but then I'll kick your butt out the door as fast as I can because this is not your grazing pasture. I feel like I could stay right there for about 20 minutes. Let's get out of this thing. Don't let the enemy get you alone because it's in the middle of your pain. In the middle of your pain, you've got to learn to press into fellowship. When you don't feel like being around others, you have to faith it till you make it. You let that faith rise up within you. And you put on that happy face and you just show up because I promise you there's going to be a conversation on the way. Somehow, some way, somebody's going to read your mails. The Spirit of God works through them and they're going to minister to you. But that can't happen when you're outside the fold. Don't run to the fringes. I was watching the Discovery Channel a few years ago and there was something of interest that caught my mind. Um, it was one of those shows where you see wildlife in their natural habitat through zoom lenses so that the animals are unaware that they're being watched. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen these shows before because this is the best way to catch them naturally unaffected by, by human presence. And so they have these, these I don't even know what, I mean, lenses for you know, long-range pictures and, and video. But in this particular episode, what stood out to me is that the narrator explained that it is the old lion's 
that roar. It's the old lions that, that let out the, the big roar. And the reason why they do it is because they're not as powerful as they once were. They're slow. They're less agile. And so they, they use the roaring technique to strike fear in the hearts of their prey. The roar of, a, of an old lion is an intimidation technique that causes their prey just to, to freeze. And when they freeze, they become isolated from the herd because the ones that are not intimidated in the moment, they're just trying to get away. They keep running, but that roar brings that, that one to a frozen state, isolated in fear because of that ferocious roar. Listen to me, church. He prowls around as a roaring lion. He's a counterfeit. As a roaring old lion's roar. Don't let Satan's roar paralyze you. He's just trying to isolate you. He's trying to intimidate you and get you away from the fold. The lion from the tribe of Judah is still the king of the jungle because he's still a king of kings. And he's not a counterfeit lion. He's a real, real lion. And I'm telling you this, he, he is, is, is at the top of his game right now, and he's never going to become old. I promise you, he's still fast. He may not be as, he's fast enough, but he may not get there right when you want him to. But I promise you this, he's always on time. He's never late, but he reserves the right to never be early either. It's frustrating. I get it, but he's still God. Amen. And the king of kings, I promise you, he is still able to defend his sheep. But we've got to stay together in this thing because he's our shepherd. Amen? Amen. Stay in the fold. Stay connected. No matter how much they hurt you, see the church as the body of Christ. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 and 26, he said, If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. This is what we get to do together. We get to suffer with each other. We get to celebrate with each other. But understand, we are not without bumps and bruises. We're not without flaws. But day by day, we are allowing him to perfect us and make us more like him. Now, in closing this thing, I, I want to speak directly to those of you that have been hurt by church people. If you gave up on church because you felt excluded and disconnected, I pray that you would lean in and claim your place in the church. Don't let Satan isolate you. But there's also, there's also another group of people that I understand why they left. If you find yourself with church hurt caused by church leadership and you don't feel like you can trust them ever again, then my word to you is this, you need to find a church that you can heal in. Find a church, a safe place that you can find healing in. A number of years ago, when Jackson Whitehurst was our youth pastor, and he'll probably be here second service, I praise God he brought the Whitehurst family back to our church. But a few years ago, when he was our youth pastor, he had a conversation with someone who had been wounded at their previous church. And here's what Jackson told them. He was talking about our church, DCC. 
Testament. He said, you are in a safe place to find healing. That still rings true today. If you've been hurt by a previous church, this is a safe place to find healing. And my prayer is that you'll stick around and let God heal you. And one of the reasons why I know that this is a safe place is because Mandy and I get it. We've been there. We've been hurt by church people. I've ministered to people somewhere in this room right now that I could tell their walls were up. From the moment they walked in the doors, I could tell they were keeping me and everyone else at length. And I have just felt the Holy Spirit just whisper in my ear and just say, Let them be. Let them know you understand. This is going to be a safe place. And I've watched some of those same people get so plugged in and so involved, and God is using them now in great and mighty ways. This is a safe place. I get it. I understand it. My dad experienced so much pain in the church towards the end of his ministry career. I never felt like it was fair for him. My dad had to have knee surgery during the hardest time of ministry at the end of his career. He had to have knee surgery. We would later find out while he was having knee surgery, he had a stroke while he was on the table. A stroke that I'm convinced later led to Alzheimer's. I can't tell you how many times I've been so angry. Recognizing that it took years off my dad's life and he lost his mind in the process. A man that lived and breathed for the church, he gave it his all. In a time in life when there should have been grace and understanding, honor and appreciation, he was, he was put through the ringer. And hear me, hear me. I'm not saying he did everything right. Matter of fact, looking back at it now, there's, there's some things that I see that, that I can learn from and probably do different, definitely do different. Should I ever be in the same situation? The the need to retaliate, to defend ourselves, can often come across sharp and cause others to be wounded. But through it all, to my amazement, my dad never stopped loving the church. He just loved the church. And raised as a PK, do I have any other PKs in the room? 
preacher's kid. I've seen it all. I have seen the good, the bad, the ugly in church. I've seen it all. But my dad's love for the church was passed down to me. Through all the pain, I was raised to never stop loving the church, never stop serving the church. When I would stop and consider it, the good always outweighs the bad. If I didn't find community in the church, where would I find it? And if it was so important that Christ died for the church, we've got to be willing to put our lives out there for the church. It's painful. It's joyous. It's life-giving. But sometimes it's not. Church is messy because we're messy. But this should be the place of grace. Don't let the mishaps of humanity keep you from loving the very thing that Christ died for. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.